Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com. Pregame.com. Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Vegas, baby. With your host, R.J. Bell. I saw him on ESPN. Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild. Michigan at Ohio State. As an Ohio State grad, I wish this was more competitive. But, hey, you can still bet on it. Marco, <laughs> who do you like? Wow. I like the over in this game. And, RJ, after the physical game that Ohio State played last week against Iowa, came out alive late pullout in the fourth quarter to pull that game out, facing this Michigan defense, they're going to think they're playing flag football this week because this, this is probably the worst Division One defense I've ever seen. In, in, How many in, of the audience right now do you think are thinking, Margo just said late pull out? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I, I was wondering. I just, I, you know, but go ahead. <laughs> I, I don't even know where to go after that. All right, let me ask you a question. You don't like usually to handicap big line games. It's funny because there'll be like a game on national TV or something and you'll be disinclined to include it in the videos because they're like the 17 point spread or whatever. That I was thinking about that when I looked at this game. That threw me because you're a motivational handicapper. You don't really get into this tight end against the three, four. You look at situations with schedules and you look at psychology. Isn't that the ultimate factor in a high line game is in a way the especially when you move hash twenty one where the the favorite can almost name the score most of the time. The question is how motivated are they to to, to dominate this team? So, I guess my first question is why why don't you like these high spread games more because there is so much psychology in them. There is so much psychology, but. Unfortunately for me, what I look at with these games is once you do the handicap and say you do have that 21-point favorite and your number says they should win by 27 to 30 points, you always run the risk that when it gets to that fourth quarter, what is the head coach of that winning team going to do? But that's the psychology, right? How motivated are they? Eh, that's fine. It, to me, it just struck me because you are such a psychology guy. Now, the other psychology element we've been talking about this week has been the rivalry handicap. How does the rivalry affect this game? Well, definitely the rivalry, the motivation is on the Michigan side. They're the team that's been getting slapped around by Ohio State for the last several years. Uh, several? <laughs> Go ahead. All right. Well, you know, they've won, I know they've won six, and Ohio State's won six in a row and five and one against the spread against Michigan. Uh, the situation being here is, you know, can they stop Ohio State? It doesn't matter. This defense is so porous. I don't think they can. But I do think that this offense is going to let them go up, go up and down. But I know Ohio State has a great defense, but after the physical pounding, that they had last week with Iowa, I don't think the Ohio State defense is going to be as physical mm, this week. That's a good point. Let me ask you this. Let's focus on Michigan's ineptness a second. <laughs> You're enjoying this. I actually, this was my Thanksgiving gift to you, is to you let know you have this. You know what's making this, me so, what's making me so happy so can, is the fact that the whole Rodriguez spread offense thing 
they've given this guy three years. They've set the program back like half a decade, and I love it. Because they could have got, after they saw Rodriguez wasn't the right guy, they could have got someone else in and started over again, but they kept waiting. I hope they wait again. It's almost like with the Bengals. I hope, Marv, I hope the Bengals went out. That way they'll keep Marv Lewis, and as a Steeler <laughs> fan, then, then we, we got that easy win every year. Uh, the, you know, except for last year, I guess, was the big exception. Of the last 26 conference games, now what's the distinction of a conference game? Um, in the Big Ten, it means it's probably a competitive game. And out of conference, maybe, most oftentimes not. Of the last 26, how many do you think Michigan's covered? I'm covering a number with my thumb. Right Michigan, now. it has not been good. So 13 and 13 would be average. What yeah. do you think? Uh, I'm going to say it's subpar. I'm going to say let's go give them eight wins there. Four of 26. You would be 22 and four if all you did was fade Michigan in the conference. This is just not a very good team. Now, Ohio State is a team that I feel like you've misrepresented all year on the videos, and I'm backing up the, 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 that assessment with some numbers. We talked about it last week. Let's talk about it again. 11 and 12 is a home favorite, Ohio State. ATS, 11 of 12. So a lot of times they've been laying big numbers like here. They, they keep pounding. This whole idea they're so conservative. I'm not sure the Trestle hasn't tweaked that a little bit. And, and the numbers seem to be backing it up. 13 of 16, 13 and 3 as a double-digit favorite. So they've been blowing out the teams they're supposed to blow out. And they've covered 47 of 67. So 47 of 20 overall. If all I said was, let's think about that, 67 games, that's six years. If I said you could be better than 70% by just playing the high state Buckeyes six straight years, would you believe me? This, this high state team is just underrated. And I think that it's another example that the line's probably a little lower because it is a rivalry game. I actually like a high state here, but I also tend to like your over. Well, I definitely like the over, as I said. Ohio State's got an offense, and one of the things that's What makes you not want to bet a high state here? I, just my nature, I don't like to lay big numbers because I, I, I don't want to say it. I'll open you up. I don't like getting backdoored. <laughs> okay? All right, so... <laughs> uh, you know, there it is. Uh, so you can insert your joke. I know. Dustin, can, you, can you bleep that? Or <laughs> we got we got to leave that in. Okay, right, that's right. why I don't like blaming big numbers. But also, as I said, this was a gift to you because I know you know Ohio State and Michigan is such a great rivalry, and you, mm. get, you get pleasure. I keep it in the background. No, but I also it gave me double pleasure because this is also gets me to have this a little shout out to you know one of our main guys here, you know, co-founder with you, uh, Johnny Detroit. You know, all those jokes, Johnny, that you laugh at RJ's in all those meetings, this is for you. <laughs> it's kind of funny with John where they're trying, he's from Detroit and he's trying to rationalize. And it's like, well, back in 1973, we had a two-year run where we won both times. And it just, I guess just psychologically being a Michigan fan would be tough. And, you know, I, I, I don't understand that because I'm a Steeler fan. I'm an Ohio State Buckeye fan, but you know, I guess I do. I'm a Pirate fan. I used to be, <laughs> and and then psychologically, I couldn't take it anymore, and I renounced it. So may, maybe that's what I suggest for all Michigan fans: just accept it and move on. There you go. Take now, the over. 
Now it's your turn to continue the conversation. Oh, that, what's your official projection? I would like I, to do. I actually have Ohio State 45-24. So if, if you look at my numbers, I actually do have Ohio State covering. Now it's your turn to continue the conversation with Marco and me. And next up we're going to be talking Marco's best bet. And actually, I love the other side. There's going to be a wager, Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. This is Marco's best bet of the week on his videos. Marco, who do you like and why? I like Oklahoma, and I like them because they can pass the ball in Oklahoma State. The one other team that was able to pass the ball well this year, Texas A&M gave them fits. This is the best passing offense they'll face this year. Hmm. Now, who, who else could pass on Oklahoma State's? Texas A&M threw for 409 yards against Oklahoma State on a Thursday night game, lost the game 38-35, but they had four or five turnovers in that game, which was the difference in that game. It's a busy office today. They're calling for that best bet. I know. They want want Marco's plays. Everyone's interested about the big (laughs) holiday weekend. All right. Now, first off, i got to say, I was going to really aggressively go against you here, and I still am, but I want to affirm that, that I love this kind of handicap because there's a couple of levels. Look at the score. Right. Then it's look at the yardage and the turnovers. But then it's profile the matchup. Look at that, you know, was there a scheduling situation? Was there a travel situation? Was there a motivational situation? Was there an injury? Going even deeper. And one of the things I love is looking at tendencies of schemes. How does a passing team do against this team? How does a, a running team do? So the fact that you're saying that Oklahoma State can't defend the pass, Oklahoma can throw, I like that handicap in general. Do you think some of that might be revisionist history that we're looking and saying, wow, Oklahoma State's only done poorly once. It's been, I mean, there's been no other team that can throw on their schedule? Not to the degree of this Oklahoma team. I mean, but, but, but I get it. Maybe Oklahoma's the best throwing team they're going to face. But when you look at their schedule, no one else could throw? The other team that threw on them this year, which that's not their bread and butter, but it was the key to the game, Nebraska threw the ball on Oklahoma State this year, put up 51 on Oklahoma State, passed for three-something against them, and it was against Nebraska's norm because Nebraska's normally run first, throw later, but they connected on several big plays against them. I believe Oklahoma has a strong home-road dichotomy split in performance. How How do you assess that? Do you agree? There's no question they're a better team at home than they are on the road. I, I can't well, every, argue Almost that everyone's a better team. The difference in them is extreme. It, it is. Uh, given, again, that we're talking a rivalry, and Oklahoma State... What does State, that mean, we're talking a rivalry? I thought what we said was in a rivalry that the home team has even a bigger advantage. They do, but in this one, Oklahoma is the underdog. I'm, again, I'm looking to the underdog with the motivation. There's motivation on both sides here because we're looking we're talking the Big 12 South. Oklahoma State controls their own destiny. They win, they win the Big 12 South. If they lose, it depends what Texas A&M did on Thursday. If Texas A&M wins and Oklahoma wins, then it's a three-way tie and you get into the tiebreakers of, of who does that. The fact that Oklahoma lost to A&M, you know, kills them in the head-to-head. I'm sure less than 10% of the people understood what you just said. So how does, the, how does the A&M result affect this handicap, or does it at all? It does for Oklahoma. All right, so let's break that down. Do you have, explain to us how it affects it. If A&M wins on Thursday mm-hmm. and Oklahoma wins 
And oh, now forget, I'm saying that once the Thursday result happens, and then we've got time to evaluate this Saturday game. Tell me the way the viewers should be thinking about this. If A&M wins, what does it mean? Let's just the break best that. that Oklahoma can do is a three-way tie. All right. And then is it the BCS that decides it for the Big 12, or do you know? I'm not sure. Honestly. All right. That's fine. That's fine. So if A&M wins, that's a negative for Oklahoma. If A&M loses, Oklahoma controls their own destiny. All right, that's good information there. Okay. As does Oklahoma State, regardless. They control their own destiny. All right. So, but I'm kind of confused. We're talking motivation, but, but let's be honest. Both teams, it's a rivalry game. They probably both have max motivation. They do. In this so team. we don't really need to get. So let's get back to Oklahoma on the road. This team has only covered one of six games on the road. They're just not a very good road team. And we know in rivalry games the home team means even more. So, well, this is one of those games, RJ, that when I saw the opening number, said to me, they put this line out wanting you to take Oklahoma State because everything you just said supports Oklahoma State clearly. But what I'm just saying is a deep handicap. Most people are looking at, see, this, wow, I'm going to really like betting against this because the rationale behind this pick makes no sense to me. You're telling me Oklahoma's getting points. Oklahoma's only getting one. As good as Oklahoma's, where the opening number was one, it's now so, bet up to two and a half. Are you able to bet the opening number? No, but... So it's I look, two and a half. It's two and a half now, but the fact that they opened it this low, to me, was inviting Oklahoma State action. And they got it, but and, now and, you're at two and a half. What is the public going to look at? The public saying, I'm getting points with Oklahoma. Are you re- you want to make a side bet? The, wh- what do you think the bet percent on this game is going to be? I'll bet you $3,000 right now that Oklahoma has over 50% at sportsbookspy.com. I won't go with that bet because Oklahoma is a public team. All right, so then how are you saying they're inviting Oklahoma State action? As well You as want to o- change your pick? No, I don't. I do not. <laughs> I do not want to change my pick. <laughs> and I will accept your You know bet. what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to take it. I, this is almost like a fight all the homes. When they, when they were just crying for Dundee to throw in the towel. I'm going to let you talk with no interruption. Tell me why you like Oklahoma. Well, I've already told you the main reason that I like this game. This is a game, again, I'm looking at the game. Oklahoma, they're going to move the ball on Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State has a bad defense. Their, their defense is almost as bad as Michigan's in, in the way they give up yardage. Okay, But they've got a great offense. I think this is going to be a game that's going to go up and down the field. Last team with the ball is going to win, and I think that the big game experience of Oklahoma, as we talked about in the Alabama-Auburn game, is going to come into play. I like Stoops as a head coach more than I like the Oklahoma State guy. I'm going with this game, and I've got a score of 40-34 Oklahoma. All right. You know, I'm going, to back, I'm going to help you out, too. I'm going to back up your point with Oklahoma a little bit. About five years ago, Oklahoma State had a two-out-of-three-year run, I think, where they beat it. You know, it, was a, they, it was a real, you know, Boone Pickens, the famous guy with the energy. He's, a, you know, a natural gas and all that billionaire. He backs Oklahoma State financially like crazy. Literally, the assistant coaches there make 50% more than the average coaches. I mean, big-time money with that program. They closed the gap with Oklahoma about five years ago, 
And Oklahoma made a really strong commitment, we're going to beat Oklahoma State. They've actually beat them and covered five, or they've covered five straight. I'm almost sure they beat them every time. So, in a way, this is a bigger game for Oklahoma than you would think, because sometimes it's a one-way rivalry. Well, yeah, we care, but the other team, this is their biggest. Like USC, you see that a lot, where the, the other team, USC, is their biggest game, but that's the case for three or four of USC's games. I think Oklahoma's just as motivated here because they've made such a commitment to beat Oklahoma State. So I think that helps you a little bit. I also think it helps you as a handicap, the handicap, but it, it kind of goes against your point of where the money's going to come in on. This is only the third time since 2007 Oklahoma's been an underdog. They were an underdog to Texas last year. Mm-hmm. They were an underdog to Florida the year before in the Red River shootout, or excuse me, the year before in the BCS championship game. In 2007, they weren't an underdog at all. So in three years, and now we're in 2010, so it's four years, this is the first or only the third time they've been an underdog. So one, it means you're getting real value, but I think it also throws out, this is the, first, the third time I can get points with Oklahoma, the public's taking advantage of it. So I think you were a little off in that analysis. Uh, so you, you, did you give your official projection? I said 40 to 34 Oklahoma. One other thing that I'll go back to with the two defenses, this is going to be a game that is going to go up and down. I think that you're going to have more times where Oklahoma forces Oklahoma State to settle for a field goal, and you're going to trade yeah, a touchdown right. for a field goal because of the difference in the defenses. Now, before we have, we have some bookkeeping to take care of. <laughs> Aren't but, we out of time? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to throw an example of where a stat doesn't matter because I could make the point Oklahoma State is 40-15 and 15 as a favorite. So 40 out of 55 ATS. So they've been – now, what does that mean, though? That means that when they're better, they beat up on teams. In this case, though, they are the favor. You could throw that stat. Like, that's what some bad handicappers will do. But to me, it's not a rational stat in this case. So it's an example where all stats are not – or trends are not created equal. I think that's a massive trend when they're laying 10 or 12. They tend to run up the score and all right. that. But in this case, I don't think it's applicable, and, and I'm, I think it's out there as something that people might look at to back Oklahoma State. I don't think it's applicable. Now, I'm 2-0 and against you when we've disagreed. Um, did you want to say We're like 2-2 two and two for the year on personal bets. Yeah, but I'm 2-0. And, <laughs> and so what we tend to do, let's go head-to-head, Dustin. This has gotten to be pretty common. I got 500. Uh-huh. Now, what I think I – are you willing – let me think about this a second. So I have to lay – you were saying the number's one. Do you want to – uh, The line it. is now up to two and a half. But you were making a point that I it was I was making one. a point that the opening number was one, which to me came out low, which went – Oh, we heard that part. Up. We heard that part. All right, so I'm going to – do you want to do a dime or a nickel on this one? We'll stay with the, our nickel bets. All right, so I'm taking Oklahoma State lane two and a half. Now, you, what's your record on your best bets here? We're now eight and four. So you're 66% on your best bets, and I'm bucking it. Yeah. God, I got, I got guts. Now, it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and me. And next up, we're going to be moving to Sunday NFL action. For the best deals from trusted sportsbooks, visit pregameaction.com. Packers at Falcons, Sunday NFL. Marco, who do you like? I like Atlanta here, and sometimes it's just as simple as saying, 
you know, don't step in front of a streak. Well, Matt Ryan in the Georgia Dome, 18-1 and one in his career. You know, I think you're right. I, this, this might be a short video because let, let's just do some simple math. It's minus two and a half right now. How, let's just say that Falcons have a three and a half point home field. Let's give them an extra half, which is key coming off of three. You're laying two and a half. Is Green Bay really that much better? I, you, know, I, 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 you know, now Peter King has Green Bay as the number one team in football this week. Maybe they're right, but Atlanta's number one in the ESPN poll. Maybe Atlanta's top five. The public perception is going to be more to Green Bay because of the way they win. They're winning in big blowouts again. like the, Which means it's something we can take advantage of. I'm saying in your power rankings, what is, where do you put on a neutral, what is Green Bay Atlanta? On a neutral, I make it... I probably make it a pick, to be honest with you. On or maybe Green Bay a little bit better. But if if if, the, if it is a pick, then Atlanta should be laying three and a half right. because of the extra home field. At two and a half, it seems like you're getting real value. I'm not sure. Maybe from here we should just say, let's find something to shoot shoot holes through that. Is there something that makes it not that simple? There's not. I mean, both teams have four-game winning streaks. When I break down those four-game winning streaks, I look at Green Bay's, and really theirs is not as impressive as it might seem. They've been blowouts, but if you look, three of the four games, they played Dallas. When, before they before came the, around. That is actually the game that got Wade Phillips fired. They played Minnesota twice. They're, they're the coach killers. <laughs> now That's they a fi- good point. <laughs> they've now fired uh, Brad Childress. And the other win was against the Jets. Now, that's an impressive win. They went to New York and beat them 9-0, but they caught the Jets at the most opportune time. The Jets came off the bye week, and I'm a big believer that when you go into the bye week on a roll, it's a momentum stopper, and that's when they caught the Jets on their winning streak coming out of the bye. So... Ah, This is... That's the one thing you do that frustrates me. It's like you are so logical, but then you'll say something, and I'm not saying... Maybe your point is this, is that that a bye usually is really good in the NFL. When you're really hot coming into the bye, then it's maybe not as good. Maybe it's net neutral. But to, to, to discount a game because the Jets were off a bye, that seems, that seems to be going extreme that it's a negative. It, it's something that I've done ever since they've instituted the bye. It's the way I, I read the bye weeks, and to me... A team that's on a roll is going to come out flat, and when you score zero points against the Green Bay defense, you're flat. All right. So when I look at this game, were you going to break down Atlanta's wins real quick? The Atlanta wins, they, two of their four wins were against Baltimore and Tampa Bay. And as each week goes by, Tampa Bay's looking more and more legitimate. Yeah. And Baltimore, we know what they are. So that was an impressive win in a similar situation. I think so. On very analogous. And the lines, now, it was about what Picker won. Yeah. This game opened one and been bad up. So we got some wise guy Atlanta action here. I also think this might be a motivational issue for Green Bay. Is Green Bay feels like they got control of their division. Mm Mm-hmm. Atlanta, it's a home game, national Fox, big Fox game. Atlanta's got this, you know, fanaticism about, you know, maybe the biggest home field is we're not going to lose at home. 
you know, what, what's what's Green Bay's motivation here? It feels a little flat to them. There is a, there there is one big motivation for Green Bay, and is the winner of this game is going to have be able to dictate home field advantage possibly. No, but true. But under good point. But under that theory, if you're one of the top three teams in the league, give or take, then you never have a flat spot then. Well, when you're playing, when you're directly playing the team that you're going to be chasing for the home field. Off of the Favre, off of Favre two out of three weeks? It, it's definitely a negative from the Green Bay side what they've just done. I mean, done I'm playing. saying there's just a slight motivational edge Atlanta, and then when you add that into these about even teams, you've got the best home field in football and you're laying less than three. I, you know, I, li- I actually like Atlanta a good bit here. I'll let, you, I'll let you make the prediction if you want on it. No, go ahead. <laughs> I have Atlanta 27-23 in this game and you know I I think that makes sense. I think it's going to be a hard fight. Maybe game. 28-23. <laughs> you you want to make it? <laughs> Anything else before we close? Nope, that's it. All right, now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comment section with Marco and me. And next up, we have my best bet of the week. And I don't think Marco is going to dare buck me here. For free real-time odds, lines, and scores, visit pregamelines.com. Chargers at Colts. This is my best bet. Usually I ask Marco what he's thinking, but I'm going to lead out here. I think this is a pure value play. We've got a Colts team that is one of the most diligent, one of the uh, a team with the least quit of any team in the like Manning's force of will is very strong. They're off a fairly impressive performance. They they did cover. They had a chance to even win the game at the end against the Pats. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, a lot of handicappers batters are going to think about this the way they think about their own life. When a disappointment happens, let's be honest, those among us who are not of the highest performance types, you get depressed, you get down, you get, oh my God, maybe I'm not as good as I thought, etc. Manning is just going to redouble his efforts. This is a guy that's taking this team on his back. The public has seen him for the, since he's injuries, they've been doing it with spit and tape. They're finding maybe the Colts aren't that good. You got this San Diego team that is what's their record? Five and five, mm-hmm. a five and five team against the Colts, and the line's three. The Colts have a pretty decent home field. You're telling me that these are even teams? I think that you got Manning on Sunday night, which he in prime time he's unbelievable. You're going to get a redoubled effort. I think very analogous to the way the Pats played against the Steelers after they got beat by the Browns. And I think you got a San Diego team that Vegas seems to love and 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 believes as good as the Colts. Now let's think about this a second. The Colts were three and a half at New England, right? That mm-hmm. that means New England's a half point better than the Colts. Now, San Diego is supposed to be even against the Colts. You're saying San Diego and New England on a neutral field is going to be minus a half? Or is almost a pick I think the Chargers are a little bit overrated. I think the Colts are going to have a really strong performance. Pure value play for me. Okay, well, and I get to play devil's advocate. Only say what you feel. And shoot. Well, I'm just going to bring out some facts. The thing about last week's loss, it was gut-wrenching, the, the way they lost. There has to be some kind of carryover. 
you talked about how you made the reference to New England, how they beat up on the Steelers the next week. There was a difference. New England was embarrassed in their loss the week before. So there was high motivation. It's totally different when it's a gut-wrenching loss the way that the Colts suffered. Next, San Diego always plays the Colts well, even when the Colts had great teams. Phillip Rivers in San Diego has beat the Colts four of the last five times they've played, both straight up and against the spread. Did you know that? No, I didn't. That's a good stat. Okay. Chargers have a better defense than New England. New England's defense still has holes. Well, here's the thing about the Chargers. The Chargers have a better offense and defense than any, almost anyone they play. There's something fundamentally wrong with this team. Is if you look at stats, to me, this is Minnesota, Dallas, and San Diego, all three in the same boat, is teams that everyone thought was going to be good. The fantasy stats are good. The, the yards per play and all the BS where they, the character, there's something about the team that won't allow them to win when it really matters. And Minnesota is falling off the face of the earth. Dallas is falling, and then they're trying to rise back up. San Diego, because of a couple of wins, people are forgetting this is a team that we're more than halfway through the season. There's six games left. They're five and five. You're absolutely right. The only thing, I'm, I'm quoting history to you. No, no, I'm, history, not saying, no the, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I deferred to you and said, if you believe there's a schematic matchup here that favors San Diego and you're using that stat to back it up, I'm not sure I disagree. But, I, but then you said, and they got a better defense. Well, yeah, they got a better defense, they got a better offense. They, they're losers. But here's the one difference what you're talking about with Dallas and Minnesota are good examples. The difference is, this is the same thing we see every year with San Diego. You normally bring And every in, year they, 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 they start lose the first they, round of the playoffs. They start slow, and then they have a, an enormous second half. They're good in November, great in December. They've uh, won three in a row, and we're in the month of November. This is the and last. That's why the line's three. And, and at some point, but then all of a sudden they get bad in January? There's a reason history repeats itself. People don't listen the first time around. <laughs> history has shown this Charger team does this every year. Well, I, I guess that's where the, the trend stuff is, again, art and not science, is people would say, oh, you know, I mean, we've talked that, you know, Ryan has won 18 of 19 at home against Atlanta, but the line's two and a half. The question is, is that stat applicable here? Is there extenuating factors? I'm not saying that San Diego hasn't started like crap for many years, hasn't ended like crap and played okay in between or better than okay. My question is, is, is there a reason for that or has it been random? I mean, what is the reason? Is it that they just went, I mean, explain it to me. You're the psychology guy. Why would it be? I can't, I can't explain that, you know, other than, you know, maybe poor coaching with Norv Turner. I, I can't. Since he's so, been there, it, it's been the pattern. But what I'm since saying is when you, when you have, in the, let's say that time of the season that we're saying is the middle or, or the late middle, whatever we want to call it, what are we looking at? 18 games over three years, six games times three or some variation of that? Are we really going to take it as gospel, 18 games? I'm just pointing out that it's something that's got to be respected. I will give you one thing that goes to your side. Peyton Manning definitely, 
He took the blame for the loss last week, and this is a guy that's a very prideful player. You are going to get the intensity that you talked about. But a, another factor is right now they're talking Phillip Rivers as MVP of the league. because Doesn't that motivate Manning? That's what I'm getting at. That's why I'm saying this is something that gives gives you. I mean, really, w- what is the what is the charger point? Is it, it it's now the mi- late middle of the year and they play well? Is that is that's the only? I mean, you've done a lot of talking. Is well, that the point? That that is one of the points. But there is a reason this year. I can't I can't go back to the other years. But if you have looked, the Chargers had a ton of injuries at the beginning of the year too. They are getting healthier each week, and they're right now they're as healthy as they've been all year. If that was the case, why was Kansas City favored in that division a couple weeks ago? Because San Diego, you know, that's prior to them winning three in a row. But, but if it was an injury thing and if it was just we all knew that, you know, San Diego just happens to lose early, well, people should have been pounding the crap out of the Chargers plus money to win the division. It just seems like that now they want to – who did they beat? Who was this team beat? The Broncos at home? They beat the Broncos at home, which was, you know, perfectly set up off a of bye week for them. They beat Houston on the road, which was a game that could have went either way. Houston horrible. I know. The game could have went either way. It's, I, don't have a, I don't have an opinion on the game. That's why this is all you. I'm all just right. giving My the official best bet, Peyton Manning and the Colts. You don't get them at minus three too often. I like it here. Okay. Oh, we give a coupon. We give a coupon, and the coupon this week, since it's Thanksgiving week, Turkey 10, baby. We're going to go Turkey. How do you spell turkey? How do you spell turkey? T-U-R-K-E-Y. I always forget the E. But then once I see see it, then I know I I have to put an E in there. Okay. No, No problem. And Turkey 10, put it in your shopping cart when you check out. At checkout, and you can use it for anything you want. Ten dollars off. That coupon's good through Monday. If something's only ten dollars, it's free on him. That's the, we're giving thanks. All right, it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and me. And next up, we're going to be talking Monday Night Football and a chance for you you to win a hundred pregame dollars with no cost, no obligation. <laughs> 49ers at Arizona, Monday night football. I'm doing the projection, so I'm going to take the lead here, Marco. I think this is a pure motivation play. Throw out the numbers. The question is, we got two teams that are having disappointing seasons, but relatively the 49ers are a greater disappointment. And, you know, back when the Internet got big, you know, mid to late 90s, a lot of people were so enamored with reading local newspapers. It was like, you can go and read the Arizona Tribune or whatever it is. And lately, that's kind of died down. You don't hear people talking about it as much. But I think the value is there. When I looked at this game, I thought about the motivation. I went and read the local papers for San Fran and Arizona. And here's what I discovered. In San Fran, you got the coach talking about, I'm to blame. You've got commentaries about, should we fire him? And it's not about how are we going to turn this around. It's more almost like a backwards-looking, finger-pointing game. When I looked at the Arizona, they did say that there was some heat on Wisenhunt, but 
he was talking about we've got a plan here, and yeah, we've taken a step back, but we've played in six playoff games, we went to the Super Bowl, and there's really no sense that they're going to fire this guy. So whenever you know that the coach is going to be there still, the players are still going to be held accountable. That's one of the keys that people don't realize. If, if you don't think your coach is going to be there, do you really care about listening to him as much? If, 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 if you don't know if the San Fran coach is going to be there, they're looking backwards. With Arizona, they're looking forward and there's some stability. To me, that means I want to lean Arizona. The fact that, what do we got there? It's almost, I'm actually getting points at this, at this point with Arizona at home. And don't forget, you've got Arizona is a quite a good home team. And maybe the energy isn't what it's been, but with Monday Night Football, home dog, better motivation against a team that's in disarray, I actually have a quite a strong lean towards Arizona. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I struggled with this game, and I'm not going to kid you. I had San Francisco last week just an absolutely watching that game. It was horrible, their offensive execution. And it's funny that you talk about the Internet in the mid-'90s and, and about reading. The Internet has evolved. I did almost the same thing that you did yesterday, only instead of reading the newspapers, now you can watch the videos. And I watched... Actually, Mike Singletary's okay. pre, you know, press uh, conference yesterday. And what you talked about is exactly what his whole thing was. He took the entire blame for everything. And this is like a coach that I think is seeing the handwriting on the wall. That when this season, they won't do it midseason. They, this is going to happen at the end of the season. Arizona, you're right. They weren't expected to do anything this year because they lost their, their quarterback, Kurt Warner, and everything was in shambles. And they, their number two quarterback, they cut at the end of preseason. So nobody expected anything from Arizona. San Francisco is a major disappointment. The only thing that I'll give caution to is both teams are 3-7. and seven. The sad part is at 3-7, and seven, normally your season's over. The winner of this game is still in the playoff hunt for that division. Which makes it all the more telling that San Fran isn't looking forward, but they're pointing fingers. Is They're still in it, but it, emotionally they don't feel like that. And with Wisenhunt in Arizona, I think you got it. And I think the profile here of getting the points is you've got the 49ers 3-12 and 12 as a road favorite ATS. They're not built to lay points in the road. I know it's only one, but this is a, a defensive team. And, and you've got Arizona, 20 of 28, so 20 and 8 as a home dog. So you've got a really good home team that plays well when there's a superior team coming in, which is shocking to say San Fran's superior. And you've got a 49ers team that doesn't travel particularly well, especially they don't travel well if they're laying points. I know we're right on the cusp there with that, but I... I Really, the question is, I defy you to, to give me something positive about San Fran here. It, it's hard to give you anything positive about this team. The one thing that I will say that causes me pause in this game, and I know we talk about money and line movements and different things, over the years, we have an opportunity, which I think could very well happen in this game. I would not be surprised if this game goes to pick and goes all the way to Arizona 1. And that would really bother me because when you have that much of a line movement in an NFL, barring an injury, it generally somehow just doesn't get there. I hear you, but, you know, it's not just fade the public, fade the public. I, you know, I don't like that theory. I would say that it's 
first of all, you're speculating that maybe the line's going to move. Right now... We're taping on Tuesday, and it's already gone from two and a half to one. Because it was too high. Now, now the question is, what's the public scene? You know, the thing that might cause me a little pause is them opening at a two and a half. I don't see how they could have gotten any action other than Arizona. Maybe they wanted it. Maybe the books know more than we think. I don't think that way. I think the books are human beings, like I said, and and uh, there's eight of them, and they're driving Subarus. Is the line <laughs> that people seem to seem to laugh about? Is the batters are the ones that know. And because they're the ones living in the big houses, the best batters, and living on golf courses, and they've bet Arizona here. And I agree. I don't think we've lost too much line value from two and a half to one. No key numbers there. The only stat that I can give you on this game that is noteworthy, following a loss, the last 19 times Arizona has lost the game, which this team does lose a lot of games, they have gone over in their next game 14 of the 19 times. So now, does the quarterback have to be left-handed? No, the quarterback doesn't have to be left-handed. But you know, you've never used stats or trends, and you've come up with the most well, convoluted trends this week. Because when you got a game like this, that the got to, I would just like leave to the know, trends to me. Leave the trends to you, and the fact to add to that, Arizona's given up twenty-seven points or more four straight games. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it's just as Arizona is that bad. So, and and but I, I just NFL the talent level isn't that difference when you have a a dismotivated team. Is that demotivated? Demotivated. You have a demotivated team. I want to bet against them no matter. We, look at the Cowboys again. Motivation has swung that team like 21 points. Mm-hmm. You know. So, all right. Now listen. Each Monday we do something a little special in the comment section in YouTube. Predict the score. It's free. All you got to do is, if you're not registered to YouTube, that takes just a second. I think you can use a Google account too. Say, I think Arizona is going to score this many. San Fran is going to score this many. It's all you got to do. Hit reply. If you get it exactly right, and let's be honest, in the NFL, that's not that hard. You win a hundred pregame dollars to spend, just like cash, at pregame.com. Okay, that's it for this week. We're back. Marco, you're going to Idaho right after taping. We're going to Idaho. We're gonna have, next week we'll be talking about that. <laughs> okay. You're probably going to go try to figure out how Boise covers so much. I'm on location. <laughs> We're going to be back next week with all the biggest games.